Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor of the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. So we have a, kind of a cool episode this week. Uh, we've got the year in review. As opposed to our normal boring episode. Exactly. Uh, we have the, the year in review coming up here uh, for the Pulse issue this Friday. Uh, we have a little bit of news that we want to get through first before we jump into that. So take me through some of the stuff that's going on this week. For uh, folks up in the northern part of the county in Liberty Grove, if you recall, the town of Liberty Grove decided to buy three parcels on the Gills Rock shoreline yep. a couple of months ago. And an ad hoc committee is meeting on January 14th, and they're going to be taking a lot of input from the public. So anybody who's interested in what happens on that property or has some specific ideas to throw out there, I think they're just, it's a really just an idea gathering um, session. There's going to be three opportunities all on the same day, 10 a.m., 1 p.m., and 7 p.m. And I was part of this kind of a process several years ago with the Sister Bay Waterfront when they first purchased the Helms Four Seasons Hotel mm-hmm. in the middle of town. And we did kind of the same thing where we, this ad hoc committee just sat and gathered input and discussed a lot of different options for what the public wanted to see in that space. And that was like the first step in the major planning. And it really helped us crystallize what might be possible and what the public wanted, not just like maybe those 10, 15 people in the room wanted. And so it's it's a kind of a cool process and a good way to for the public to to concretely express what they want in those spaces. Right. And when we first talked about the purchase, uh, it was a pretty popular article on our Facebook page. There are a lot of people talking about it. Sure. And this is this is the opportunity for people who have opinions uh, that they want to express about it, who want to see good change for the property to actually get out and, and, and make their voice heard about that. Yeah, because there's options up there for anything from just like a public park to a a boat launch and just keeping the launch there for fishermen to even doing a, a larger marina project. Like I, I, no indication of any direction that will go, but like there's a lot of things on the table there. Right. Then speaking of property purchases, again in Northern Door, the Door County Board yesterday voted to approve the purchasing of, I believe it's 72 acres to expand Door Bluff Headlands County Park. And if you haven't been to Door Bluff Headlands County Park, uh, you should go. It's an awesome, beautiful tract of land um, near Garrett Bay, way on the northern tip of the peninsula. And now I think that would, I mean, that substantially expands the park. There's some good hiking trails in there. It's beautiful, like bluff line shoreline that you can walk along or kayak around. So that's 72 acres. They looked at that 10 years ago to buy that, but then it was both too expensive. And I believe their focus shifted to some properties on to expand or um, improve Cana Island as a county park. So they kind of put this on the back burner, but at the time it was the proposed price was about 1.2 million. 
Now they're going to get that property for $450,000. And I think most of it, they're going to look for grants, state grants, federal grants, and it may not cost the Door County taxpayer anything. And it also includes uh, a little chunk of shoreline up there as well. So more water access. Yeah, I think think any time that we can expand our natural areas up here, that's definitely a good thing. And I don't know that I've actually been to Door Bluff Headlands yet, um, but it's on my list of things to do. So hopefully I can get in there before and then I can see what happens to in the future. I went up there last winter. It's actually a great, beautiful winter hike. There's some incredible views. Like there's some really high bluff overlooks. It's, but in the winter, I would definitely recommend like great hiking boots or like those crampons that you can put on your Mm -hmm. shoes because it, it does get slick and could easily foresee somebody just slipping down and to possibly off some of the smaller bluffs as you first walk in. But right. it, it is beautiful property. Well, and, and winter hiking in general, I think it's always a smart idea to bring somebody yeah. with you. <laughs> I, I got a buddy who loves hiking and loves taking advantage of all of the outdoor stuff. He works in a bunch of different restaurants up here in the summer. So he's working 80 hours a week in the summer. And then in the winters, he gets to kind of relax and get back to nature a little bit. But even he is like, you know, I don't go out winter hiking as much as I used to because I don't have friends up here who hike with me. And I really don't want to go out on my own in case I do slip because who's going to come through and find me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else do we have for news this week? Um, so there's uh, also on the county board, they did vote to approve a resolution. It doesn't change any laws, just a resolution to send forward to the state and to the other counties, the other 71 counties in the state. So Door County voted to approve a resolution in support of legalizing medical marijuana. Uh, Dave Lenow brought this forward yesterday, said he has a lot of friends who have benefited from it. And other council or county board members had kind of said the same thing. So even though not too long ago they voted against a resolution supporting the legalization of marijuana, they've now at least taken the step of legalizing or of supporting the legalizing of medical marijuana in Wisconsin. I have to imagine that this comes in response to all the referendums that were on the last ballot, right? Because it seemed like we we didn't vote anything on marijuana. We decided not to. But then it, it seemed to pass pretty overwhelmingly in all the counties that did. So is this just a way to be like, well, maybe we should talk about this? You know, I think more and more people are being having their minds open to it. And also, I think there's more and more people of all ages seeing, especially people with medical issues, using marijuana to help them cope with pain and other things. And honestly, like if you're judging marijuana versus some of the opioids out there to help people cope with pain or many of the much, much more costly medical alternatives to coping with some of these medical issues, it's hard to make the argument against it when it comes down to it. Honestly, right. Like even NFL players who have these post-career problems grappling with concussions and, and so many of the aches and pains they deal with. They could be saddled with prescription medicine, which really messes with your body. Or they could, some of them have said, like, I'd much prefer to just smoke marijuana and help that deal with both my anxiety and my, my temper that comes from some of those CTE issues that NFL players have and so many of the other myriad aches and pains. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to say that somebody should be not doing marijuana, but here, here, throat, all these other things in your body. Right. Well, and the the opioid crisis is really prevalent in the United States, especially in small towns and communities. And and what you said right there is, is exactly right. The, the even though marijuana is not one hundred percent safe, I mean, no substance is. No substances, yeah. Just listen to the side effects as you watch a prescription drug ad on right. TV every time. Like like you're saying, it, it, I I feel like I would rather be bringing that into my body than bringing in like these incredibly addictive substances that. Of ravaged communities, right, really. Exactly, so. exactly. And then one other b- piece of news: uh, just last night in Sturgeon Bay, the saga that never ends continued. 
and actually hit a resolution on a topic last night. So a couple of weeks ago at their previous meeting, the council had voted to approve a settlement with Bob Papke on a lawsuit over the West Waterfront property that the city had entered into an agreement with Papke several years ago to build a hotel on that site. And then it turned out that after a bunch of other lawsuits, that that site, they did not have clear title to that land because it was below the ordinary high watermark, which puts it in the public trust. And what was clear as you look back through the documents is the city knew that, that this property wasn't going to be simple to develop. Like they thought they could still get it okayed, but they had communication from the DNR and and their legal um, representation that said, this presents a problem. We can't get clear title to this land to develop it because it it's not clear if it's in the public trust or not. Yet, even after knowing that, they had entered into an agreement and recruited Papke to come in and build a hotel. Papke then, when this all came out, he filed a lawsuit seeking funds back from all the time and expense he put into planning this hotel over a couple of years. The council finally voted to accept that settlement. Then the mayor vetoed that acceptance. So the council had another meeting last night in which they voted to override the mayor's veto and accept the settlement with Papke. And so they are awarding him $360,000 and uh, acknowledging that Papke had handled all of this in good faith. And Papke released a statement afterward, basically saying, I'm glad this is done. Let's put this behind us and let's move on with the city. So that's the latest in Sturgeon Bay. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about the genesis of, of this issue in the Granary episode that we did a couple weeks ago. Correct. Uh, but we, we definitely will do a whole episode on the West Waterfront and, and its entire saga because it the granary is one part of it, but this is another huge part of it and there's more there too. Um, so we'll definitely go through from the beginning and chronologue the entire story of it. But it's good that we're kind of at seemingly an end point. I mean, there's still much more to happen I, I, with the I granary not, and stuff. I would not use the word end point. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, some sort of resolution for it, at least it's one portion one aspect. of this. I mean, the city is involved, over the last couple of years, have been involved in, I believe, five different lawsuits regarding the Friends of Sturgeon Bay Public Waterfront, the Historical Society, Papke, I believe there's a couple of them regarding the property tax assessments for a couple of properties on the waterfront unrelated to the West Waterfront. So they've got a lot of legal issues. Their, their legal representation was Pinkert Law Firm for the longest time. Pinkert stopped. They just had to back out. They said, like, this is taking too much time from our other clients. And they said they just can't put the, the manpower toward it. I think I have that right as their reasoning. So now they're, you know, the city is still seeking new legal representation. They have like kind of a, an interim lawyer that's acting in that role right now. But yeah, there's so many different parts to this struggle and kind of so many different little groups going at each other and the animosities going on that it's nice to see one part of this come to a close. Right. Well, and that's the only way that, that everything can be resolved is if it one piece at a time finishes up. I mean, like like we talked about in the Granary one, it seemed as if things were starting to uh, conclude with the Granary story, and then they didn't, and now we have that pushing forward. So it's just one of those things where you have to clean up the puzzle pieces as you go along and hope that they don't come back and continue to compound. And the shame of it is, like, well, there's a couple things. One, I just love the city to be moving forward on other issues. And the other part is that this sucks up so much oxygen that you kind of forget that some things are moving forward and other things are happening in the city, whether it be some of the affordable housing that is being built. There are a couple of big projects right now to build some uh, workforce housing in the city. There's a couple of new exciting little restaurants, Canara, the um, Indian 
restaurant. It's a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Ryan Castellans, I think, who used to work at Beerzot, really smart beer guy, opened Discourse Coffee Shop in Sister Bay doing mm-hmm. like really experimental, cool coffees. He just announced that he's part of a kind of like a incubator food startup thing that's starting on the west side on Madison Avenue, investing in Sturgeon Bay and kind of bringing something totally different down there. You know, things like Crate or the Brick Lot the last couple of years, there have been some positive steps forward in Sturgeon Bay in the midst of all this that probably would be getting a lot more of the limelight if if there weren't so much um, being sucked up by everything going on with the West Waterfront. Right. And the more that that dust clears, it'll be nice to have some other things kind of rise to the forefront. Right. Any other news this week before we jump into our feature? Um, one little bit of news. Uh, we've talked about this before, but Pebble Beach now being uh, on the market. Right. And that property is now, I, th- I think we talked about it, possibly getting subdivided, or not subdivided, it was like split into four parcels for single family homes to be developed on that beach. And I did talk to Dave Lee now, the Sturgeon or Sister Bay um, board president, and just confirmed that Sister Bay is not in any talks to try and purchase that property for the public. He said, essentially, like, it doesn't make a lot of sense for Sister Bay to do it. One, yes, they do have the borrowing power to do it, but they have extended themselves a lot purchases in the downtown area. And those downtown purchases are easier to justify because you can say, we're going to buy this and it's going to lead to economic growth around that property. Right. It's harder to say that about the Pebble Beach property. It would be really strictly a, a preservation play. Not to say that that's bad, but you know it's just harder to do that. And you'd be taking a lot of money off the tax rolls. Not to mention, if it's developed at all, Sister Bay gets a lot of extra, more money coming in in taxes, tax revenue. So he said there have been some discussions um, and ideas floated about buying a little bit of that property to expand the beach access there, what the actual public portion of Pebble Beach. But that doesn't seem to be in the offing right now. So I think if uh, if there are people out there who want to see that beach preserved, it's going to have to be through kind of private fundraising. Right working with, say, the Land Trust or the Nature Conservancy or just a, a new private entity to raise that money. But just wanted to confirm that Sister Bay is not looking at purchasing that. Okay, good to know. Why don't we take a break here, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the year in review. They call themselves the Stradivarius Builders of Sturgeon Bay because the guys at Palmer Johnson were artists in wood and metalwork, anything you imagine. They did it so beautifully well. The first fishermen came down the lake from Mackin Island, worked their way along the north shore of Lake Michigan, and they came because of the whitefish. The whitefish were abundant. In 1945, 2000 German prisoners of war came to Door County and picked cherries for just one harvest season. Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to telling the stories of Door County, past, present, and future. To learn more about the history of shipbuilding in Sturgeon Bay, to see how the cherry became a Door County icon, or to watch the peninsula's last remaining fishermen brave the waters to haul in thousands of pounds of whitefish daily, and the many other incredible stories produced with the Door County Visitor Bureau, visit doorcounty.com slash ourdoorcounty. Okay, we are back. So, Miles, every year the Pulse does a year-in-review issue, right? Yep. Tell me a little bit about that. You know, as it comes down to this time of year, usually there's not as much news to report as the year comes to a close because people don't have a lot of meetings around the holidays. And so many years ago, we were like, all right, what are we, what are we putting in this issue if there's not, and there's not as many events, even though it's a holiday, it kind of all 
center around New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And so there's not as many right around the Christmas time because a lot of places close. People are celebrating with their families. So we started doing kind of a natural fit, of course, doing the looking back at the year that was. And so what we do is we go back through every issue that we published and try and pull out the stories that either were just like particularly well done and well written by any of our writers or moving. And also like find those new stories that define that section of the year or maybe define the year as a whole. So we go back through every single issue page by page and try to pull out the headlines that mattered in the year that was. And we kind of reprint little snippets of those with the cover from each issue and, and just, uh, just to give people an idea and remind them of all these things that have happened in the year that was. Right. So what are, what are some takeaways this year? Obviously, the, uh, the Sister Bay development and everything that's happened up there has been mm-hmm. a, a big talking point, both in print, on social media, from everything from the Door Hotel to another proposal north of town, parking discussions. Sister Bay's had a lot going on, plus financial implications of their, their TIF district and, and how that's going. So Sister Bay was a big issue. Town of Gibraltar had a lot of, a lot of issues going on and a lot of different issues, whether it be related to the food truck at White Cottage Red Door, the development of this, the, the parking lot and the controversy surrounding that about the middle of summer. And of course, going into next year with their big highway construction and mm-hmm. what that's going to cause in town. And of course, Sturgeon Bay, which just goes and goes and goes. Right. Granary, what do you, waterfront, everything. What do you think is going to end up being the bigger year for transformation or, or growth or construction this year or next year? Hmm, that's a good question. There's a lot on the docket for next year. Right. I um, mean, well, because if we go through the things that, that happened this year, we had Hatch Distillery, Shipwreck got built, and that's just in Egg Harbor. And then you go up, Taco Cerveza opened. It seems like every town has had some new face that's come in and, and something has been built and everything looks a little different this year than it did last year. Do you think that's going to yeah. be... And, and we had the Crest Pavilion too. Yeah. I would say, um, you know, now that, now that you bring that up, I would I think next year might be... It, it holds the possibility of being kind of more dramatic. Not in a bad way, but like, you know, if Sister Bay, if that hotel does get built, if the other proposal north of Casperson's does get built, if Casperson's, where the funeral business has sold, but the property has not, but if that building sells, that's those are those three parcels could lead to a more dramatic impact than any of the stuff we've seen in the last few years with Sister Bay since the waterfront expansion. In Sturgeon Bay, if they finally come to something on the, the west waterfront, um, you might finally see a plan take shape. You might see the granary move back across the way and get developed into something. You do have those two big housing developments in Sturgeon Bay that are, are already underway, so those are, are pretty substantial in, their, in themselves. In Egg Harbor, you'll see the Fireside Restaurant that's moving from Ellison Bay down to Egg Harbor. Mm-hmm. Um, and they bought the old Liberty Square shop, so you're going to see development there. And One Barrel Brewing Company yep. and a Wild Tomato location. So, yeah, you're going to see a lot of transformation now that you mentioned it. I, I, as I, I taught myself through it, I would guess that next year, if all those construction projects come off as planned, I, I would think you'd see more change next year than you have this year. Other news from the year, when we pull out all these snippets, we find certain issues that are, you know, that came up again and again and again. And we kind of try and do like in five or 600 words, recap them as best we can. Um, one of those was just the the election season and really the, the year of the woman in politics. And we've seen it slowly build in Door County. In our county board now has nine members that are women uh, out of 21. And that's still too small. But a few years ago, it would have been two or three. And nationwide in this last election, in 2018, we went, the number of women in state legislatures, uh, both in assemblies and senates, 
increased by 213. So it went from 25% to 20, a little over 28%. And Jim Lundstrom breaks all this down in uh, a recap he wrote. So 200 more women are representing districts throughout the country today than they were at the beginning of this year, which is fabulous. It's still less than a third, but you're finally seeing a lot of that growth. The majority of those are Democrats, especially in Wisconsin, where of uh, the 36 Democrats who are in the state assembly, 18 of them are women uh, representatives. So you're finally starting to see a lot more of that representation nationwide and slowly trickling into the municipal levels. Although, and we published a list of like the makeup of all of our local boards in this week's issue. And you can see most of them are still heavily male, but right. it's, you're starting to get some more representation. Well, and seeing those numbers go up is, is great, but, but like you said, it, it is still less than a third. Yeah. And when you think about population demographics, we should be looking at a split. If these are truly representative of the people, we should be looking at a split closer to 50. Yeah. So we've, we've, we've come a long way, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah. And one of the things you see, even if they're not always winning, m- many more are running. You know, Sturgeon Bay City Council, that was one of the dramatic ones for the first time. Sturgeon Bay City Council is majority women this year. It's at a 4-3 tilt now. And in, the, in a lot of the races on, on deck for next year, you already see a lot of woman versus woman, um, or at least a female candidate in a lot of these spots. Right. So we're getting, even because the, the value of running isn't just in winning or losing. Even if you lose, you're bringing a discussion to the table. On a, on a national scale, you know, like Al Sharpton, not a guy who I think would be qualified to be president, but, you know, our qualifications for that may have shifted in recent years. But when he would be in a debate, he's putting poverty and racial issues on the table and making other people discuss them. And then you can actually find out, like, oh, does this one have, pers- do these other candidates have any knowledge of this? Do they, they know about these problems throughout the country? And it, even if that person isn't the one you vote for, it's good to have them at the table to, to, to put these issues forward. Dennis Kucinich was one who brought healthcare forward and universal healthcare ideas back in 2003, 2004, which in most of his candidacy at the time was considered just like a non-starter. And eight years later, his platform that he was running on is largely been integrated into what Democrats across the country run on. Right. So, well, and even last and, year, and even and even if you look at, at the Republican side, sorry to go a little farther, but like on the Republican side, you know, Ronald Reagan would be probably considered a pretty liberal guy today. But it took years and years of people on the farther right side running for office and having these slow influences and pulling that party in a different direction, whether you agree with it or not. Like same thing with the Democrats. You don't necessarily agree with Kucinich, maybe, but those other candidates putting ideas forward move the parties and move the national discussion. Well, and like I was saying, even last year, sometimes when a candidate comes forward and loses, that has a a huge impact in just how the party looks too, like with Bernie Sanders running. Even though Sanders lost, there was this huge rift that was formed in the Democratic Party between moderates and progressives. Absolutely. And even though the candidate loses, the run is still very important. Right. And you see that, and so taking that down to the local level, just by having somebody with a different take you know, there are certain people who will run and be like, my job is just like, keep taxes low and keep the roads fine. And then somebody else might run and say, I think we need to do something about mental health in this community, like Seth Wieteranders did in Sturgeon Bay. Or I think we need to do something about women's issues and getting more women better pay in the workforce. Like, you may not think that's a, necessarily a local board's issue, but bringing that idea forward and making that part of your public discourse, it definitely starts to move the needle. Right. And I think that I should get better internet access at my house. So vote oh, Andrew that's it. Somebody might run. And, and I'm going to, if run. anyone's smart, they should be running on this all over the county because it's a big economic issue, both for economic development and just quality of life. But 
Yeah, I mean, people should be making internet access a big deal up here. Uh, and I'm, I'm surprised more people don't talk about that when they're running for local office. Right. Well, I know that the, the DC EDC is looking at internet access this year. Been right? looking at it for about 20 years. Okay, well, hopefully hopefully this <laughs> and is I, I say a little bit bigger. They've definitely done some quality things, and they've tried things with different companies that made big promises and just didn't come through. So I, I shouldn't say that they aren't doing anything because they've done a lot to try and, and get people in here to try innovative things. And they've helped things like Door County Broadband to expand their efforts. But yeah, I, I don't get my hopes super high when everyone, anyone says that we're going to look at something. Liberty Grow's done some real tangible things. They've partnered with uh, a company to build new towers and expand the access to at least Door County Broadband service in Northern Door County, which is fabulous. Like people are seeing the benefits of that. They did something tangible. They didn't try to go for the big fish. They're like, what can we do tomorrow to build this tower that's going to increase access to these 100 people. That might be the way we have to do it in Door County. When's our next election? April. April? Okay. I'm announcing my candidacy now. <laughs> and my platform is I want better internet at my house. And that's... If people I are going to take that. you for this. So are you really going to run? For my house. Only okay. mine. <laughs> it's not that I don't care about your place. I just... Mine is the first priority. <laughs> You're a very focused, selfish individual. <laughs> I, I liked what you said first. Focused. Yeah. <laughs> One other thing that's going to be in the issue, and I haven't looked at this yet, so this will be kind of fun, is you guys compiled the the most trafficked web articles on darkhoneypulse.com, right? Yes, we did. Okay, so you know what people are looking at, uh, and I'm going to try to guess, like, what, the top 10 or something like that? Yeah, well, let's just see if you have any idea what some of these, and obviously you aren't going to know the article title or the specific article, but I'm curious what our web audience and our print audience are are different. A lot of our web audience are people from outside the county who have a tie here, who just always try to keep up on the news, whereas obviously most of our print audience lives here. I mean, we send it all over the country, but most of them are in the county. So kind of curious, what do you think might have been a couple of the top issues maybe that showed up as like the, the most popular articles of the year? Okay, well, I, I do track the podcast statistics. Uh, so I, I do have some sort of insight in at least what the podcast is is getting listeners for. Mm-hmm. So I would guess that one of the top articles was something to do with the Door Hotel in Sister Bay. And you would be wrong. Wrong. It's not on there at all? It's it's on there, but it's not. The first place the hotel shows up is number nine. So okay. it's in the top ten. Okay. I, okay. I was shooting for top ten. Okay. Uh, let's see. I would imagine that, well... The granary, the granary would be a hard guess just because the development came in late, uh, but we might have still been talking about it early in the year. Is there something about the granary in the top 10? There's not. Okay. That surprised me. And maybe that's because there are so many articles on the granary that, that there's not one that's just like, here's the big issue. This was the big shocker. It's been going on for so long that a lot of those articles, they get a lot of traffic, but no one of them gets like the big spike. Okay. Uh, give me a hint. Give me a hint for top 10. All right. It has to do with restaurants and businesses. Like, uh, let's say, give me a better hint. Oh, wait, no. Okay, I, this, no, this would have been last year. Because our, our number one article last year would have been shipwreck burning down, right? Yep. Okay, so that would have been my guess for this year. It's a property that went up for sale. That's a tough one for me. I, I'm not as, as, as cued into, this is our number one article? Yep. Okay. It surprised me when I saw it. That so many people were clicking through it. Hmm, I don't know. Well, tell me what town. Sister Bay. I got nothing. Fred and Fuzzies. Fred and Fuzzies. Okay, no, that's funny. I haven't actually been there, so that would be why. How have wait, you wait, not wait. been okay, there? Hang on. You've never been to Fred and Fuzzies. Is it the one that's right on the water and you can eat and walk down I the can't beach? believe you actually have to ask me that question. Is that the one? Yes. I was there my first my first time in Door County. Okay. So 
But that's the thing. Like, my in-laws have been coming up here forever. So they took me to play tourist the first time. And then, like, every other time, we started going to, like, the more off-the-beaten-trail kind of places. So I hit Fred and Fuzzy's my first time up here, but haven't been back. Okay. So, obviously, Fred and Fuzzy's. Uh, so I was a little surprised. I thought it'd be in the top 20. I didn't know it'd be that high. Basically, that that pull that people have, and you see this throughout the list of the top 20 articles, it's topics that people have. Restaurants always play well. Restaurants that burn always play well. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anytime something burns, it's like the, the top article. If you want free publicity in the pulse. Burn down your restaurant. Burn down your restaurant. I think that's actually been done. So yeah, Fred and Fuzzy's, obviously, tons of people go there every day in the summer. Tons of people have a connection. It goes back generations. So you have people who are 15 who love that place and people who are 75 who love that place and have been going there for years. You know, they have the great sunset view and things. So when that went up for sale, obviously people are going, oh no, what's going to happen to it? And, and for good reason. That played really well. So in a similar vein, there's another property like that that came in at number two. Another one that was sold? Yes. What town? Well, that's up for sale. What town? Egg Harbor. I, I don't know. I we've, we've interviewed somebody there. Oh, I know exactly what it is. Okay. The, the Alpine, right? Yes. But I, okay, I thought that that started last year. Well, and that's part of the that's part of the struggle to figure this out too, because it like when you go back through this year in review, you're like, oh, that happened this year, and then some of these things that you're like, oh, that would be a big story, and it's like, oh, that was actually two years ago now already. Right. Like, well, because I remember that one of the big questions was, are they still going to take reservations for this year? Yeah. So I had assume, I guess it, it must have sold or went up for sale. What, like January or February? Oh, uh, that was in April. Liar, Miles. That was <laughs> okay. So much happens every day. And well, that's the other thing, too. I mean, we're constantly dealing with news and stuff that it's just like, oh, yeah, that the Alpine went up for sale four years ago. Yeah. And the, and the, uh, the Fred and Fuzzy one came right after the Alpine. So it was like, boom, boom. And those two are two of the classic old school resorts, kind of maybe the last of their breed. And so got a lot of the same reasons, years and years of history generations uh you know in, in the alpines case you might have five generations who have been vacationing there right or who have memories there so yeah well that was i mean my in-laws went to the alpine every every two years for their family reunion so they've been there for a long time and they they did their final family reunion there last year so that was pretty special so one thing you see throughout this list restaurants are just like we did a story probably four years ago on uh door county bars and it was called how a tavern makes a town where we went and you know, kind of an essay about the how what a tavern means to communities and also like what are the taverns that define some of the towns around the county. So like Husby's and Sister Bay, Bayside, the Red Room and Sturgeon Bay, and just kind of like how the vibe of those places and and what they are used for and how people lean on them in times of like mm -hmm. celebration and grief. And that one got dramatic traffic to the website. And you see that throughout the list this year. One of the top articles was just like a listing of the five new places opening in 2018. So that just tells you all these people who are like, all right, we're planning to come up there this summer at some point for our annual trip. What's going on? Oh, that's exciting. Let's find out what these places are so we can check them out. And people are doing exciting things with restaurants now. So it's kind of an anticipatory thing. And next year we'll have a bunch more of them. What's number three on the list? Uh, this one is one that's right in your wheelhouse. This one surprised me that this was this high up on the list. Sturgeon Bay, new idea for an old location. Terry Lane's Arcade Bar. Oh, yeah. Okay. That one, that one really surprised me that that was that high of all the things we published, all the stuff on the granary, all of the, you know, notable people who have passed away, things like that. And the Cherry Lane's Arcade Bar was just, and not even the recent one, but like back when they first announced that they were even going right. to do the remodel uh, back in January. 
that was one of the biggest articles of the year. Well, I could see that one for sure. I mean, the timing was right. Everybody was hunkered down for winter, and then all of a sudden this cool new thing is coming and got people excited. Plus, there was a lot of anticipation for it, too. I mean, I, I could see that really starting to gain momentum for sure. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Let's see. There's another Sister Bay story high on the list regarding grocery shopping. Would that be the Pigs expansion? Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be, they've already started that. When is that going to be wrapped up? Uh, it's supposed to be done, completed in May. Right now, they still they have like the steel beams up around the building. So you can see like the framework of how much bigger it's going to be, which is going to be incredible. At Country Walk Shops, they're looking at like seven new shops there over the last year, plus the pig mm-hmm. expansion. That pig expansion is going to be a dramatic life change for those who <laughs> live in Sister Bay. Right. That's So that one, obviously, tons of traffic for that. And that just tells you how many people actually. Like sometimes I think it was just like me and my buddies who would complain about the pig all the time. But it turns out everybody does. <laughs> right. like it wasn't just my little bubble of friends. Well, I went in there right when they first started. And they're, like, they had to really finagle and try to do something tricky with it because they, they wanted it to stay open. And they're trying to expand, but like not close down. They have so little space to work with. Yeah, they got to stay is. open while they go. Right. They've done a nice job of it. It's oh, for sure. Still- the, the first time that I went in there, though, they, they had just opened up the walls. And it was right before it started to get really cold, but like the insulation, there was no insulation yet. So like all of the cashiers were wearing their jackets and their gloves and oh, yeah. like <laughs> winter hats. It, yeah, it was it was definitely cold in there. So a couple other things. There are some news articles on here, like the election results, a couple other restaurants just opening up. Sister Bay approving the wedding campus um, were big stories. The Potawatomi Tower, when they announced that that was going to have to come down, right? A lot of traffic, but there are a couple of features that were way up there. We did, uh, Jackson and I worked on a piece called Curious Store, the county's most mysterious places for the magazine. Right. That also goes on our website. That was the seventh most popular article of the year on the site. I think people always like those little hidden nooks and crannies and maybe they come up here and want to go search for these things themselves. Well, and I think the other thing too is people see these places and then wonder what they are, wonder what their stories is. Yep. Like was one of them the, uh, when you're coming up like past Carlsville, it's the big building with like the big statue in front of it. Yeah. What is that place? Yeah, that's uh, that's this artist, and I can't, Guntis Lazams. I can't remember if that's the guy who owns the property or the guy who made the sculpture. But it's in front of, it's across from Sunny Point Gardens, for those who are unfamiliar. It's on Highway 42, basically between Carlsville and the village of Egg Harbor. And you'll see this statue, and if you've driven that road, you've probably noticed it. It looks like this twisted piece of metal. And for myself, who was um, a teenager when a tornado ripped through Egg Harbor right through that property back in 1998, I always thought that that twisted piece of metal was some sort of homage to the tornado. Mm-hmm. And turns out it has nothing to do with that at all. It was a, a sculpture that used to be behind that building. And then after the tornado came through, the people who found it thought it was just twisted metal. And it eventually got moved to the front of the building. And it's actually called the Valkyrie. It's just a, a really cool metal sculpture that this guy had done before the tornado ever came through. Random. What, what is that building? Is it abandoned? You know, I don't know. It used to be a schoolhouse. Okay. Uh, Sunny Point School used to be there. Uh, hasn't been a school for decades and decades. Just owned privately and I think maybe used it as a studio, but I'm not positive. Another article on that vein that got a lot of traffic, but actually from 2014, was the article I had written about the Chateau Hutter, which seems to just continue to get traffic year after year. People always, you know, I'm sure people are just like driving by that. They see the sign, they Google Chateau Hutter and end up going into the deep dive like I did of like, what the heck is with that property? Right. It just begs questions right. as you drive by it. So those are some of our most 
trafficked articles. Uh, what are some of your takeaways from the year? Some big stories that, that you worked on or, or things that you learned or events that went down? Well, I guess one of the things that I've grappled with a lot this year in reporting on stories, and then you see them go out on Facebook or email and up on our website, and you see the comments roll in. And part of it is you, you feel really good about getting this news out there and hopefully doing a good job um, breaking it down in an understandable manner for people. But then you see it on Facebook, and sometimes you can tell how many people are just lashing out and just launching their diatribes without reading the article itself, just by reading a headline or looking at a photo. And, you know, like, we have the discussion about development up here, and people just have their their feet dug in so deep in either, like, we need to do it or, no, we shouldn't, nothing should ever change. And I, I think for some reason, people don't have a good ability to, like, be empathetic and think, well, if that was my property and I was looking about to retire, what would I do? Like, would I realistically just sit on it or, um, you know, or people from outside who think it, nothing should ever change here? It's like, well, people have to make a living here. So right. I wish more people would just pause and be a little more respectful of each other and have a little more empathy to see where people are coming from and the struggles anybody might be dealing with. Before the, like, That's not to say we shouldn't have these discussions and debate things vigorously and come to the best possible solution we can for these towns because we have to live with it. We have to look at these things forever. But I just think there's a knee-jerk reaction that gets a little disgusting to me. But at the same time, I asked myself this the other night. I'm like, well, is Facebook, it's just terrible. Like we're, it's, it's making all this discussion, ha- like it's bringing out the worst in people. And then I said, well, no, the worst in people is in them already. Facebook doesn't bring it out. Right. Facebook puts it on the table for us to see it, which is better than me not knowing what all these people are saying at their kitchen tables and in amongst their friends and in their garages and in their bar circles. Now I get to see it and know exactly where they're coming right. from and where all these people are, how all these people are seeing these issues. So, well, and I've been thinking torn. about, I've been thinking about that too. And one thing that I, I try to do with the podcast is provide context for the articles that are coming out in the pulse. Yeah. Um, because you write the articles and, and they go out and that's one part of it. You can't fit the entire story in the article. Right. Especially for print, there's, you know, guidelines that you're trying to adhere 750 to. 750 to 1,000-word ballparks. Right. And, and some stories are so much bigger than that. Yeah. And when a journalist writes an article, that's not everything that they have to say about it. It's it's hopefully the best of the best that they can put out in a way that's meaningful. But and it's factual. You know, right. As, as, as factual as possible, because that's sort of like a historical document when you're putting it out there. That's an archive from that moment of your understanding of the facts when you hit publish. Right. So so one thing that I always like to do on the podcast is to look at these articles and and give them context. Allow the people who write them to talk about them, to explore. I mean, every time you come on here and you're talking about some interview that you've done, you always tell us a little bit more, some things that didn't make it into the article, right. just because this is a more casual conversation and that's just the way that it, it flows. But when we do bigger, like deeper dives into things like the Granary or the Sister Bay Hotel, we're trying our best to provide as much context for people as possible so that they can continue to have those discussions on social media or in person, uh, but that they can do it with some broader frame of reference. Even just if they have a little bit more context of the the history or the different viewpoints on things, that's our goal, number one, when we're talking about these articles, is just to allow people to to come at things with as much information as possible. And you know, like the Pebble Beach discussion that's been happening is a, a great example of some people who are really lashing out at them for having the property up for sale and not knowing. The, and I've seen people go, like, the locals got to take their, their their county back or their town back. And it's like, that property is owned by locals. 
you know, if you look at it's it's multiple family members, but you know, the Sundstrom family, Fuzzy Sundstrom has been entwined with this community for 65 years. Kids all went to school here. He's run a business there for years and years and years. And running a business up here is hard. Like making a profit up here is hard. Running a restaurant is hard. He's been doing that forever. He's a guy who voluntarily goes and grooms ski trails in the parks. And then you have other members of that family who have served on the school board and in county volunteer organizations and county politics. It's like so much ignorance of what people know about how a decision is being made. You can disagree with it, whatever they might do, but like, I, I hate some of that knee jerk. Like, I, I don't know how someone can lash out without at least knowing the basics of who they're lashing out against. Right. Um, and yeah, I think like getting that context, because when we write an article, it's a bit of a silo like that. It's that section of that issue that we can get across in 750 to 1500 words. And you can't always give all the backstory every time you write it. So right, like, that's why I love doing these podcasts and trying to take what people have done on a national level with issues and apply it to some of our local issues. And hopefully a few people are a little more well-educated and that spreads to a couple other people and a couple other people and a couple other people. Right. I would say for me, my takeaways from this year, this would be my second year at the Pulse. So my first year was a lot of introductions, getting to know people, places, and stories. And this year has been more about broadening my knowledge of different things, getting more experience with people and stories and activities and really starting to learn more about Door County and its history and the people that have made it what it is. That's been the thing that I take away from this year is that we've gotten to interview so many interesting people who have so many amazing stories, many of them fundamental to the early days of Door County and beyond. Um, it, it's just been really cool for me to be able to to dig deeper and to learn more and to start getting into stories beyond just the Door County tent poles or icons. So like my first year, we were working on cherries and fishing and shipbuilding and lighthouses, which are kind of the big Door County icons. Mm -hmm. But then this year, it was all about beaches and talking to influencers in the community who have been around for a long time and their stories and the history of not just these big, broad topics, but of individual families and individual businesses or places in, in Door County. Um, getting to spend more time up on the island and learning more about the history of the island and what's going on there now. Uh, it's just been really cool to to dig in and to find to find out more about what Door County is under the surface. Yeah. You know, and when you asked me that question, I kind of went into like my gripe of the year, I guess. Um, if I had one big takeaway, it would be Door County is getting better. Like, it's a better place now than it ever has been in my lifetime. And that's coming from a guy who understands that, like, I don't like all development. I don't like all the changes. But I'm and I'm a very nostalgic person. You know, I, I have thumb thumb posters on my wall. I, like, I, I, I miss a lot of things that used to be here. And I miss a lot of open spaces that are no longer here. But it's better. The food scene is so much better. The, the, the community involvement that I see is so much better. The schools are fantastic. Uh, the support for education is amazing. And most of the time, people help each other out. And we can kind of get caught up in like town politics and that crap. But like you, I see people all the time who are on total opposite sides of things, help each other out um, when they're in times of crisis or when there's a major health problem or they're stuck in a ditch, you know, like that those things disappear when people need something up here. And so in so many ways, things are better. We have more options. We have more access to to so many better things that we can kind of lose sight of that when you 
just focus on maybe these certain things that you've lost right. or don't have. Well, and my frame of reference only goes back a couple of years. So I, I came in, like I said, my first time being here was when Sister Bay was under construction. So like my entire time up here has been in the midst of all of this transformation and all the stuff that's been going on in the last five years. That being said, it at least seems that even though Door County is a tourist destination and that's what drives the economy, I mean, almost every single one of us who live here year round make our living off of the thousands of people who come into the county. every. And it, it seems like there's been a lot of progress in the last five, 10 years that, that focuses on the community beyond just the tourism. Like you said, the restaurant scene is huge. That's good for both. I yeah. mean, that's good for people who live here year round and for people who come into the county. But things like like better infrastructure and like better access to things, the the amount of cell service that we've gotten or internet access has gotten gone up. And those are the kind of things that I feel like you might take for granted. Um, there was an article that was posted on a local Fox station about Door County struggles with internet access. And some of the comments on there were things like, why do you need better internet access in Door County? Put your phone down and watch the sunset. And then people rightly responded to those with like, yeah, but we live here. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you posted that comment on the internet from your house. Why shouldn't we be yeah. able to do the same thing? Yep. And even beyond that, like there's businesses and stuff like that. Businesses up here rely on the internet. Not only education. To, a kid can't go home. He can't perform in school and go home to a house that doesn't have internet access and do some of the, the assignments that schools now expect of them. Right. You need it. That, that refocus on the, the community and communities coming together and, and investing in projects that are, are great for tourists, but who are also great for the people who live here year round. Like I, I remember when the Crest Pavilion was starting to be talked about and I was thinking like, well, that might be nice maybe for my kids. Uh, I don't know that I would use it, but that might be nice. I've gone there so much. It's yeah. a really cool place. Yep. Not only is it beautiful, but I mean, just like I don't have a home printer. I go there to print all the time. And it's just, it's nice even for that little thing. It's just nice to go and see what's going on, to check out their cork boards and see what events are coming up and to see that they're bringing in incredible performances and lectures and workshops and all of this stuff. Uh, and, and that's something that was, yes, it's a great draw. It's a great thing for people to do while they're up here on vacation to go see this great place and to take in a performance or a lecture. But it's also incredibly useful for the people who live here year round. And one last thought on that is just think about shoreline access. In the last 15 years, you know, with despite all of the development that some people will pull their hair out over, we have more access, public access to shoreline than ever before. And it's not even close. Sister Bay that whole waterfront basically wasn't public except for a couple little slivers just 10 years ago. Gills Rock just expanded shoreline access in the middle of town. Garrett Bay boat launch was expanded a few years ago. Now you have more access with this Ellison Bluff purchase. You have all the acreage, the thousands of acres the land trust has preserved in the last 25 years. Egg Harbor Beach expanded their access, almost doubled the size of that beach on the waterfront. Fish Creek doubled the size of that beach on the waterfront. There are so many more places and so much better access to the waterfront, which is the best thing we have here is the water. And, and the people who live here and own property here have invested tens of millions of dollars to do that. So when people talk about Door County losing its charm or people not doing anything to preserve it, like people are doing so much to, pres to preserve it. So much, so much more than they ever did in the history before, say like 25 years ago. So right. it, there's, there's so much that's, that's going well that we lose sight of it. 
All right, let's wrap this up, Andrew, because I am on deadline and we have to finish putting out the year-in review of the Peninsula Pulse. All right, I think that will do it for us then. Uh, next week, we're actually going to talk about the coming year. So we, we've done our year-in wrap-up, and now we're going to hit uh, what's to come in 2019. Um, we'll see a lot of the same stories pop up again as things continue to move forward. Hopefully we'll get a lot more resolutions to things that have started this year. But then there's also a lot of, of big things that are going to get underway here shortly. The road construction is going to be a huge one for next yep. year. So we'll hit all of that more next week. Uh, thank you so much, Miles, for chatting with me, and I will see you then. All right, see you next week. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit DoorCountyPulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Do you find yourself uninformed? Perhaps you suffer from bouts of apathy or complete boredom. You are not alone, and there is a solution. The Peninsula Pulse newspaper, our doctor's number one recommended cure for Door County Blues. Inquire today. Yeah, I was an apathy sufferer until I got the Peninsula Pulse. Now I'm all right. Hi, Dad. Hey, son. Side effects may include a bunch of enjoyment, amusement, too much to do, enlightenment, jubilation, sun insights, and in rare cases, readers have experienced abdominal pain due to uncontrollable laughter. The Peninsula Pulse newspaper, free on newsstands everywhere. Check it, read it, use it.